Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson and I'm the founder of Stack, the service that searches out the best independent magazines and delivers them direct to thousands of readers around the world every month. This week I'm speaking to Matteo Kosu, editor and co-founder of Uno Due, the annual magazine about football and culture that he started with some footballing friends in 2014. The first two issues of the magazine were published in Italian and I've only seen pictures of them online but for the third issue they switched to English and produced a totally beautiful 250 odd page hardback tome with totally fascinating football stories from all around the world. Actually, Matteo corrects me in our conversation because the binding is apparently flexi cover rather than hardback but imagine a kind of thinner hardback stock and you get the idea. It is a great read and a really gorgeous magazine and I'm pleased to say we've got copies of this latest issue available to buy in the stack shop so if you like the sound of this passion project that was born on a football pitch head over to stackmagazines.com forward slash shop and pick one up there. But first I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Matteo from Uno Due. Matteo, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Dean. Okay, so you are co-founder and editor of Uno Due, uh, a football magazine that uh, you were good enough to to send me a copy of just recently. Um, I think we should start right at the beginning, and there's a note uh, kind of on the, the information page right at the start of the magazine that says Uno Due was founded in 2014 on a football field in Berlin, Germany by Andrea Timpani, Matteo Kosu and Daniele Sigalot. So it sounds like there's a story that we need to unpack there. How does a game of football turn into a, a magazine? Uh, it, there definitely is, um, So uh, uh, I was uh, an expat living in Berlin um, this back uh, back in 2010, I moved it out there. And um, as you know, uh, Germany is a football crazed country, and uh, the availability of just fields to play is incredible. And as uh, many people who have done an experience abroad will know, that the very best way to meet people is to just play. Hmm. Um, and uh, I actually met these uh, fellow Italians on a football pitch. Um, we were playing eight on a side, uh, and it was a religious uh, experience of being every Tuesday at 7 p.m. ready to play. And it was incredible how like people came together. Um, at a certain point, I think one game we counted something like ten nationalities, and you can you can you can think how you can imagine how the swearing was also very uh, diverse in, in many languages. Um, but uh, that aside, um, uh, we started thinking how it was really important um, to us the the this actual ritual of playing and like. Um, talking through our um, performances uh, of the day over beers after the game was equally as important. And um, the storytelling around football mm-hmm. is something that is really therapeutic, I believe, and also cathartic. Uh, and we decided that like that 
that storytelling really needed to have a place. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so to make a long story short, um, I'm a book producer by trade, and my co-founders are also like excellent writers um, and art director. So we decided to go on this journey, and here we are, I guess, uh, years later with the third volume. Amazing. So you, you've got a bunch of footballing friends who basically just happen to have all the skills needed to make a magazine. But then how did the practice of that compare to what you expected? Because it, it tends to be a rule that when people make a magazine for themselves for the first time, it tends to be quite different to like producing it in an office for an employer, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh Obviously, this has uh, also been some sort of past-determined uh, artistic project for us because we really decided to focus on uh, collaboration within uh, uh, the, among us and also um, like not compromising on anything. As you very well pointed out, when you are working for a client, you have limitations of budget, you have limitations of editorial content. At this point, we were very much free, and uh, we, you know, uh, really didn't care whether it was going to be a hit success or not. <laughs> we just wanted to have that take on soccer and those stories to be made public. I think that's, uh, I mean, it is literally what publishing means to make public, and we just really wanted these stories out there. And that was, uh, yeah, mainly mainly the biggest uh, thing for us is uh, it was actually satisfying our uh, our needs and our uh, desires uh, into paper form. Well, I mean, so right that that can either be uh, the worst <laughs> the worst idea to start with, or it can end up making something totally beautiful and brilliant. And I've got to say, the this magazine definitely falls in the latter category. This is you've got such a great selection of stories in here, all of which seem to come from that first uh, founding principle that you talk about of, of not really caring about other people reading this. It's really about the stories that you want to tell. And it also feels like it comes from other kind of grassroots football pitches around the world. There, there seems to be a real affinity with the underdog in this in this magazine, an interest more in the stories of like you know what the fans think, for example, rather than what the stars think. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, obviously, uh, it, this uh, as you as you said, we definitely have this like uh, leitmotif going through the the three uh, issues. Um, but this one, we definitely delved in, and as the title says, the, like, theme of the, the magazine is, is personal, and, like, we wanted to really highlight how everyone's experience of football is personal in a way that um, means that, like, you know, I can experience the game in a totally unique way, um, and it doesn't, as you pointed out, it doesn't necessarily have to be the, um, the folk being focused on Cristiano Ronaldo's or, or Leo Messi's of the world. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, we were very, very interested in, in underdog stories. But um, more than anything, we do use Unodua as a springboard into bigger issues that are easier to talk about through the lens of football. And that's why, as you've seen in the magazine, you'll, we'll find stories about um, immigrant athletes. We have stories uh, about LGBTQ plus a soccer club in Portland that uh, meet, play, and then go party and are so totally inclusive in a game which has not been historically open to those communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, is something um, that we really treasure, the fact that like we don't really need to talk uh, about soccer as the, the giant, you know, money uh sport that it has become it can be we can just talk about football as our like very own way to experience uh the world Mm -hmm. and through uh, through an activity yeah yeah it's i mean you can tell also just from like the stories that you're kind of reeling off there it's really pleasingly international as well. Like I really like the way that you go from a story in Spain to a story in Argentina to the story of the LGBT team in Portland. Is I mean, is that also then a, a function just of the people who you know and the and the, the kind of network that you have, or is this more deliberate and you're you're actually going out and trying to find stories from different places? Um, both of those things. Uh, as as uh, we talked about, we did meet in Berlin, and we did start in Berlin. And as you know, it's a very, very uh, um, multinational, multicultural city. Um, and uh, but also, we really do think that uh, it is a global game. Uh, I live in Los Angeles, California, and um, I can tell you that, like, even just twenty years ago. It was a very, very niche sport, and now, like, any given Saturday, you'll have the Premier League and, and like, right next to any other, like, American sporting event, mm-hmm. and um, that's huge. That's a, a big jump, and I think it is the the truly the world's icebreaker, too, um, and, you know, the more we, you know, accept that we are globalized, a world in in a good way in the good ways that it, it represents the, the more soccer can can be like a, a big part of it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah i mean uh, as i was saying in that in, on that football pitch in berlin i learned to, to swear in many languages uh to say pass me the ball i particularly remember slovenian uh, <laughs> so, uh an or shoot uh you know like it, it, that was a really great way to like socialize yeah in a way that like you know maybe we're not used to anymore uh, once we hit like 30 because then like we're just used to like going to bars with our friends but we don't really make friends no, totally. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I think it comes down to when you look at where football and all these other organized sports came from, they, you know, they were engineered as like tools for social cohesion. They like, you know, they, they were ways to bring together people and give them a common goal and all that. And I think that probably there's something kind of similar with independent 
publishing in that you know they they're just really great ways uh, an independent magazine is a really great way of creating a community and, and then communicating uh, the thoughts that come out of that to a wider audience does, does it feel to you like well I guess it must have felt to you that independent print must have some kind of affinity with the kind of experience that you got from playing football uh, that is an excellent, uh, uh, excellent observation, and absolutely <laughs> it is, uh, because, uh, I mean, as, as I said, I, I actually work in publishing, I've been working in publishing basically all my career, and for starters, we really miss theirs for that exact reason, mm-hmm. um, as you know, with COVID, it's been really limited, but um, aggregating around a product, uh, which is uh, uh, which is physical and, and not a digital thing where you only have to describe it or show it on a device. It's something that you can touch, you can feel. You know, like I've always said, like until like we are, uh, you know, thrown on the ether, our conscience is thrown on the ether with some 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 dystopic machine. <laughs> like we are physical beings, and like we need physical things. That's why the print. Um, has a totally different reach in terms of building those communities. Um, it it definitely has a, it creates a common ground for people to then like discuss around. And obviously, with the added you know a passion that people have for the sport, uh, we thought it would be a, a you know a, a, a double whammy, let's say. Mm-hmm. Well, well, so okay, so tell me then about how it's gone so far. I mean. I guess you can start a magazine with very little expectations for yourselves because it's just a project that you want to be part of. But you're now three issues in. And I mean, this latest issue in particular is a very big, uh, you know, it's, it's a beautiful hardback magazine. I mean, the is this a sign that you found a good audience and there's, you know, you can actually make this as a, a sustainable publishing project? We are reader supported. That was like one of the the absolute uh, the things that we really wanted to stick with. Um, so as you know, that that's always uh, difficult in terms of budget. But we did find um, sustainability in building an audience which has now embraced exactly what we wanted. We didn't again like we didn't want to like try to interpret what people would want. Uh, so we immediately just said, okay, well, let's do what we want. And people, you know, if you, if you build it, they will come. And, um, yeah, definitely we are, um, we have a a very loyal following, uh, which isn't great, which isn't big in terms of numbers, but like it allows us to, yeah, keep scouting out, um, great stories and, uh, with the help of the collaborators, with the photographers, um, yeah, we're, we're happy to like keep going as long as people want to read about these stories and this particular take on the sport. And and does this latest issue does this kind of feel like the right sort of weight for it? Are you thinking it's going to get bigger? Will it get smaller? The are there thoughts about how it might change in the future? Uh, this is already like we only changed uh, a slight uh, like production value. We went from hardcover to a. Lexi cover, which is a, a similar thing. This is due to like environmental concerns and other other things. Uh, uh, um, 
in, in play, but honestly, uh, 256 pages um, it seems like the right amount for us every time we think of doing less uh, then, like, we find something else we want to <laughs> put in. Uh, so that's it's hard. It's honestly, it's more, it's more a question of, like, not leaving anything out. Yeah. But then, like, yeah, it's the upper limit where, like, something can be considered, you know, a, a single volume or issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I guess also you're helped with that in that it's annual. So, it, I mean, in a sense, that you could also talk of this as being a, a football annual in the like the, the good old tradition that it, I guess it's a magazine because it's periodical, but it's not like this is something you're producing every two months. No, exactly. Like it, it is like a collaborative project and it is something that we do on our off time. We, you know, we uh, this is not our main gig. Uh, I wish it was, but maybe... Maybe it's better this way. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, you can kill what you love very easily. So oh, God, maybe it's yeah. better that it stays this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know a lot of publishers who specifically do not want their magazine to become their job because then they'd have to start making all the compromises that they, they make in their job. Anyway, anyway, the, so I, I, I'm also curious to know about the languages because I've got the English edition in front of me. Am I right in thinking there's an Italian edition as well? Uh, not for this one yet. Um, the, per, the first two were produced in in Italian. Uh, this kind of stemmed also, well, from a budgetary and like community of, of um, standpoint, but also um, it stemmed from a, a sort of manifesto that um, all, all the founders are were expat Italians and. In in England and in, in in Britain, like you have a different view on sport. Like it's not, you know, it, it's okay to like go see a play and then talk and, and then talk about uh, talk about the uh, football. Um, it's those two things are not like far away from each other. While um, in Italy, well, this is way before like the new like football journalism start, started in Italy. Um, yeah, it was very. I had a lot of friends who were like you know so-called intellectuals who like wouldn't touch the sport, hmm. which is also kind of curious because like for example here in America, soccer is a completely like you know hipster or in, like very intellectual sport. Mm, mm, wow, mm. like people are like that way against American football, which is so like we really wanted to uh, like make a statement in Italy. It's like we can talk about culture and we can talk about sport in the same magazine, and it will be highbrow content for lack of a better term. You know, like you don't need to look down on us just because we're talking about sport it's a human activity and it deserves to be talked about in a very um um intelligent way i think Mm -hmm. but but you say that this third issue is now only in english yeah um so that also stands by um um by a need to like we had a lot of people interested, but it was like it just, it, the magazine's amazing. We love the layout. Unfortunately, we cannot read Italian, <laughs> so it was always uh, the idea to move um, uh, to to like serve a broader audience. 
the U.S. and and my life is here. So also that was a, a critical factor. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, I think it is the way forward. Do Do you think you'll ever have the resources to produce an Italian edition and an English edition? Um, the resources we might uh, that. I want to say that, like, again, like, our reader community is super active and, like, really loves this. Um, that, I think, would be less of a problem. The problem would be in managing the, like, two issues instead of one, although, you know, translations and stuff. Um, again, we put a lot, a lot of care into it, uh, and it is a reader, so, like, there is definitely, like, a lot of care put into the, te- the text. Uh, so... Yeah, time will probably be more a limiting factor than anything else. Yeah, I can I can well, well imagine. Hopefully, I I've got to say actually that I'm really pleased that this is not dual language. I, I think that dual language can work really well in magazines, but I feel like this one, because it's so it's so book like and and beautifully presented. I just I really appreciate this all just being in English and like. Everything here is for me. I don't have to skip past the pages that I that I can't read. Um, so you're you're on issue three now. It came out uh, earlier this year. Do you have plans yet for when issue four will be with us? Um, yeah. Well, um, we're just talking. Uh, the the two uh, the designers of this issue, uh, Lorenzo Fanfan and Andrea Chabuco Campos. Uh, we did talk uh, about uh, conce- like conceiving the new issue, um, and yeah, it's still very much up in the air, as you will know. Um, again, like COVID has slowed down a lot of things, also in terms of distribution. So, like, we are still like trying to, you know, communicate to the world that this is is out. Um, but the new issue is uh, will definitely um, start taking form this year, and uh, again, hopefully, will be out uh, later on in It's, it's a beautiful thing, but the, I think the thing I'm most impressed with is the quality of the storytelling and the the stories that you've picked out. And you know, as you say, not focusing so much on just sport as a football, but sport in the wide so football in the wider world. The, I mean, is there? So I think I'm right in saying that the World Cup is going to be on next year. So obviously, that's a lot of interest then around football. Is there kind of any? 
is that at all relevant for you? Is there, is there any temptation to say like, come on guys, let's get this thing out in time for the couple of months when everyone's talking about football or does that kind of run antithetical to, to what you're doing? Um, I would say a lot of people that read us don't really follow, I mean, they do follow international football, I guess everybody does, um, but we are more like event independent in that sense. We definitely, the first issue is called Post, uh, Post Mundial, which was after Brazil's 2014. Um, and yeah, we did see that that had some sort of relevance, but like, it, yeah, it, it's not as important for us. Plus, it will be a very strange World Cup in Qatar. I, you know, like, will it? I don't even know where whether it will be played in summer. Um, it is a very problematic for all the you know uh, human rights um, issues that have surrounded Qatar in, the, in these past years. So yeah, I mean, even just to denounce that, we'd love to be out. But apart from that, I think we're very event independent. Sure. Sure, sure. Well, look, I, I love what you've done so far, so keep doing it, and I look forward to seeing that as and when it's ready. Very well. Thank you so much for, uh, for all the kind words and for having me. Okay, that's all for this week. I would like to say thanks again to Matteo for taking the time to speak with me. I love the fact that they're not rushing this magazine and reading issue three, you can totally see why it takes a long time to produce. We only really mentioned a few of the stories in this latest issue, but it's a really rich read. So head over to stackmagazines.com forward slash shop and you'll be able to see sample spreads and a story list there. Uh, And of course, buy your own copy. This is our first episode since the start of August. Um, We're back from the summer break and the idea is that now we'll run right through to Christmas with a new episode every week. So if you don't already, please do follow us wherever you get your podcasts and we'll be able to deliver them all to you as soon as they're ready. And remember that if you ever feel like buying a magazine from the Stack Shop or signing up for one of our surprise subscriptions, make sure you use the code PODCAST to save 10% on our regular prices. There's no expiry date and no limit to the number of times you can use it. We'll just keep that running for all the people who listen through to the end of our episodes. Thank you very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with another episode next week.